Welcome to the Audit Podcast, the number one podcast for the audit profession. Be sure to check the show notes for all of our social media channels and to sign up for the Audit Podcast newsletter. Now, here's your host, Trent Russell. This episode is brought to you by Green Skies Analytics, an audit analytics service provider that works with internal audit departments that have data analysts and are still frustrated with trying to make analytics actually work, aren't getting the expected ROI, who can't break through the communication barrier between the analysts and the audit team, and those that need experienced direction for an audit analytics strategy and process. Those that feel like they've wasted time and money on trainings, aren't getting the value they want, not prioritizing the highest risk areas for the organizations, or have projects that seemingly never get completed. Do you deal with any of that? If you do, go to the show notes of this episode and click the Green Skies Analytics link or go to greenskiesanalytics.com to schedule a call and understand how Green Skies Analytics makes analytics actually work for internal audit. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Audit Podcast. Today on the show, we have Dr. Charles, formerly just Sabine Charles, but now Dr. Sabine Charles. So congratulations, doctor, for all the work that takes to uh, become that. So congratulations. We're very excited to have you on. Um, Dr. Charles is a published researcher. She's also a chief audit executive and author of note of latest leadership, MEQ, integrating mindset, emotional intelligence, and leadership qualities, inspiring professional excellence. And so the book that I just mentioned was kind of the basis for the conversation and a lot of the topics that we hit on today. Some of those topics include, I think most people by now are familiar with EQ or emotional intelligence, but we'll understand what the M in MEQ stands for and the value that it adds. And then from Dr. Charles's CAE perspective, what leadership traits she looks for in an auditor and how we can develop those traits. And then one of the more pointy questions I had for Dr. Charles is that it seems like for a lot of people who aspire to be in some kind of leadership role, fear is one of the reasons why they can't step up to it. Maybe, maybe it's fear of speaking up in front of a large group. I know I've seen that, you know, round table, all hands type conversations, 15, 20 auditors in the room, brilliant auditor, never said a word. After the meeting, you know, if I was having a one-on-one with this person, it'd be like, oh, we should do this and this and this and this. And I was like, well, that's great. Why didn't you say that earlier? And I think there's this fear of speaking up in those, uh, during those meetings, maybe their opinion they felt like wasn't important enough or they'd get shot down or, or whatever it could be. But underlying was this fear to step up. Public speaking has uh, maybe a way to look at it also. You know, what if I have to get up in front of the board? What if the audit committee doesn't like what I have to say? Whatever it is, but it feels, it just feels like fear is one of those underlying conditions maybe that that holds us back, especially from maybe being in a leadership position. And so for those that aren't those like natural born leaders, we wanted to ask very pointedly again, how can we overcome that fear? So with that said, here we go. Talking about the book, talking M-E-Q. I know EQ is something people are a little bit more familiar with, but even then, let's maybe just start with the EQ piece of this. What is, for those that don't know, EQ, and then we'll jump into M-E-Q. Okay, well, thank you very much for having me, first of all. And EQ is basically focusing on elements of self-awareness, self-regulation, motivation, empathy, and social skills 
And it's really focused on how you react with other people. How do you understand your feelings and how do you interact with other people in their various feelings? Okay. What does it literally stand for? Oh, emotional intelligence. Okay. And I'll, honestly, like I would read about EQ, like whenever it's first started kind of becoming a little bit more mainstream and I never really thought about the EQ. And then it took, I don't know, two years. And I was like, oh, it's like IQ. That's the, what the Q means. It's like the intelligence piece. So um, <laughs> maybe my EQ is higher than my actual Q. <laughs> that sense, it took me so long to put that together. Well, EQ, you can actually, IQ, you can't change. EQ, you could change. So EQ, you could learn techniques on how to better interact with individuals in your lives. Okay. What is, That's, know, go ahead. It? We can get into maybe the specifics on the techniques here in a second, but I want to make sure I understand what is MEQ then? Well, see, uh, well, leadership MEQ is a framework that I've developed part of my dissertation that I developed that builds on the foundation of EQ and, but it incorporates mindset, emotional intelligence, which is EQ and specific leadership traits. Got and it. those leadership traits are around being a visionary thinker, integrity, those type of leadership traits that you could learn. And then the other, and then the mindset piece is talking about having a growth mindset and self-care and those type of aspects of your life to really incorporate those things so that you could be, become a better leader. Perfect. So what's the, the techniques on the EQ side? Are there techniques that if there was like one that, that anyone could apply what would that be? Like, where's the biggest bang for the buck? Cause I'm like hearing about all the various, uh, traits seems like you could pick any one of those and spend X exactly. amount of months, years, whatever, depending on how much of a weakness it is developing just that. Is there an overall technique that if you're like, Hey, if nothing else do this technique. Well, you know what? I'm actually certified in EQ. Oh, nice. <laughs> by the know them. Yeah. Okay. Perfect so, person to ask. Yeah. So then the thing is that with EQ, there aren't weaknesses or strengths. It's just how you are and okay. how you deal with those type of as attributes. So there are things like, so for example, if you are um, low in empathy, there are some techniques or things that you should be aware of to kind of figure out how to build your empathy. Or if you're not self-aware of how you're acting in a meeting, let's just say then that would be something that you need to be something that you could work on. So awareness is first and then regulating those emotions in certain situations is how you become a leader. And that's what has been written about. What's the, I'm curious. So for self-awareness and empathy, I know those are two traits, I guess we'll say that I know I've read meditation can really help with both of those in terms of becoming more empathetic and being self-aware. Hey, I've realized now that I am angry and you just go, okay, I'm angry. People get angry. And then you kind of let it go. Where, do, where does meditation fall within the various techniques? Is that a one you would recommend or is there a given practice? Well, see, I, I do TM. I do transcendental meditation. That's just my preference. Every mm -hmm. meditation. 
you could there's so many different types of meditations out there. You could just pick one that resonates best with you. But self-awareness is like, like you said, okay, I'm angry. How do I really deal with that? And meditation is a technique. Coming up with goals is a technique for you to be self-aware and working towards those types of things. Empathy is a little bit different where you have to uh, work on perhaps giving a little bit more and trying to be in the other person's seat. What's the difference between sympathy and empathy? If empathy is putting yourself in someone else's shoes and you haven't been in those shoes before yourself, how can you empathize with someone? It's recognizing, okay, sympathy is basically recognizing something, someone's emotions, mm -hmm. right? So you're sympathetic. And so that's that often that that offers support and comforting words like, oh, I I lost my dog. I mean, I don't want to, you know, I lost something or yeah. I understand, da 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 da. Empathy is 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 recognizing and understanding the other person's feeling, but not necessarily not necessarily sharing in those feelings. So yeah. which means that you don't necessarily like, oh, I also lost my cat, mm -hmm. right? It, that's not empathy. It's really letting the person just speak their piece and just being actively listening. Yeah. Not necessarily interjecting your feelings on that particular item. Yeah. That is significantly yeah. more clear than I've ever uh, been able to figure it out myself. So I appreciate that. Well, I know the within this, you talk about leadership traits also, and that's a big part of the book and your research. And you are a active CAE right now. Yeah. From your CAE perspective, what are the leadership traits that you look for in an auditor? I mean, this has been on the, the hit parade for years. Critical thinking, being able to deal with situations, curiosity and yeah. communication. Those are my top three. I mean, I could go on and on, yeah. but those are the ones that just pop into my head. What is critical thinking? How do you become a critical thinker? It seems like with the everything that's getting pushed towards us via algorithms, social media, it's really tough to look. I feel like if everyone was a critical thinker, we'd probably be less angry than we are as things show up in our feed or whatever and go, wait, let me actually think about this. Um, oh yeah, that's ridiculous. And this is who wrote, you know, I saw something today. It was a study and it said X amount of beer a day is good for your gut health. And I was like, that is complete okay. trash. I, that's but who I sponsored that. And I looked and of course it was some alcohol company that sponsored the research and maybe it was from China. I can't remember. Um, but, cause I got kind of lost in the comments, but I was like, that's no, but if you're just scrolling through and you see that and you don't think and to even know. Hey, somebody else might have sponsored that. That's not an independent, you know, researcher. Yeah, that was my first thought, and so I went, eh, "This probably doesn't seem right. Let me look into it." And so, how how can we develop critical thinking skills? Well, it goes hand in hand. This is why I said there are three pieces. There's yeah. critical thinking skills, the ability to analyze situations objectively. That's the key, objectively, and to make a reasonable conclusion. Hey. That's critical thinking, not just taking the information and running with it, because then the second piece is the curiosity. So it's really always learning, always seeking to understand the business deeper, always trying to figure out, okay, where is the source of that information and is it valid? And then communicating that complicated concept 
to their constituents. And that's what we need. And those are the three, I thought, hey, maybe I should come up with something, the three C's. <laughs> nice. The three C's, critical thinking, curiosity, and communication. And so now how do you develop that? Mm -hmm. It's with wisdom, time, that's that self-awareness. There goes the emotional intelligence piece that we were talking about earlier. Self, being self-aware, understanding the source of the information, their courses and their courses, but you need to at least develop your, your, your senses, your logic, for you to really understand. And then always learning, mm -hmm. learn about certain things. Well, if you're into beer, to your example, <laughs> then really look and understand what's beer and how does that affect your gut and where are other credible sources that actually support or def defunct this particular idea that you have. Is there a, when you're hiring someone, is there some kind yeah. of process you follow or maybe even certain questions you ask to tease out? Like, does this person have curiosity? Communication, I would expect you could just kind of naturally pick up on based on at least oral uh, communication, written and even using data, visualizations, things like that. Maybe not so much unless you put them through some kind of test, but is there... Are there questions that we could ask people that we're hiring uh, to understand that they have the floor of curiosity that we would want? You know, you sense those answers. You know, the traditional questions like, what do you know about the company? Mm -hmm. That will show curiosity if they did the research. Because that shows curiosity before coming to the interview, they did some type of research. So there are typical traditional questions that help us going to help us like the window of where or what you're looking for. Yeah. The critical thinking piece of it usually comes up when they're talking about the work they've done. Walk us through like an go, example of that. Yeah. So let me just think of something. So critical thinking. So they say, oh, there was an audit issue that we found. And what was this audit issue? I ask. And they'll say, well, it was an audit issue about um, Mary not signing um, these documents. Yeah. Well, okay, so then how did you discover that? And then they go into the details. So you go, you dive into the examples that they provide to determine whether or not they really did the research or understood what was the issue. And then you ask them, how was that communicated to the client? So you hit, you get three of them right there. The three for one special. Right. So you ask them to go deeper into some of the items that they've discovered or audit issues they've discovered, and then just probe them and see how they respond. Because if they can be, if they could explain it well enough, then there's the communication. Then they talk about the critical thinking, how they came up with that recommendation uh, item or issue or finding, however you call it nowadays. You find how they found that. And then you talk about how they keep, how they, how did they substantiate that finding? Yeah. That's the curiosity piece. I know in reading the book, you talk about self-care a lot also. I'm, I'm curious between trying to develop these traits, like what is your daily routine? What are the habits that you hit on a daily basis? I go to the gym. Mm -hmm. 
I meditate, does self-care. I go on vacation on my own. Oh, nice. Talk about that a little bit more. Once, once a year, I take, so I take three vacations a year. One for myself, one with my family, and one with my husband. Real quick, somebody told me this the other day. They said vacations with your family is not a vacation, it's a trip. And to look at it from that perspective instead of a vacation. And I've realized I've been on one vacation in five years. So sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. Yeah, but that's exactly it. That's why we take three vacations mm -hmm. because you need some time to detox and be vacated from the family. <laughs> vacate <laughs> the family. <laughs> right? So vacate with yourself just so that you could re rejuvenate and can tap into your creativity and your innovation in silence the truth comes out in silence you will find the answers so sometimes you just need to take a step back and it doesn't have to be elaborate some people like to go fancy but you just could take a weekend or someplace so that you could really figure out what's going on for yeah. yourself i like that and the family and then your connection your, your paramour whomever male yeah. you, whoever you're connected to you just take a vacation to reconnect because if you have children you're con and work, then you're constantly moving and trying to get move all the pieces and make sure pieces are not lost. Yeah. And children are raised and fed. Yeah. Clients are happy. Sometimes you just so sometimes these these other things are not um, taken care of the way you should take care of them. So that's why I say you need to take a trip with your paramour. I'm going to tell my wife that a doctor recommended I take a vacation by myself for a week. Be like, hey, I'm taking vacation for myself. Be like, what? No, we have to go. Like, doctor's orders. I, I got to do what the doctor says. I like that. Doctor's Perfect. orders. <laughs> All right. Uh, so meditation, gym, uh, vacations. Is, is there anything else that you could throw out there for us? And another thing is emotional safety. I mean, that's kind of like a buzzword nowadays, but just knowing your limitations, knowing what doesn't resonate with you. Because a lot of times people leave work, not because of the work, it's because of the people. Yeah. Because you're spending a lot of time with individuals that you may not have the same values. And so finding that space where you could thrive is so, so important. If there was one thing, and again, we've talked about all these traits, if there's like one thing that every auditor should do that wants to become a CAE, maybe it's a given trait or it's a technique within a given trait they should develop, what would that be in your opinion? Being able to communicate clearly. Okay. It's are we talking written, oral? Like if you put a, this is the most important of the three or does it depend on situation? Oral. Because most of the time you have a staff of people who are writing the report, so it's a group effort. Mm -hmm. But because you're at the audit committees and you have to present these reports, I believe that having oral skills, oral communication skills are number is a, is a number one item. Yeah. Of course, written communication skills are important. But again, those reports are written in a team effort. It has to be, your name is on it, so it has to make sense. But I think that presentation skill is so important. And there is, in the world of AI that we live in now, there is a tool. I don't know, need to check with InfoSec teams and all that kind of good stuff, see if you can use it. But it will record your, like, Zoom, it's on Zoom teams. It'll record you doing a session. And it'll do things like count your filler words. So a lot of times I use um, and I use the word like. 
I literally just used like as I was intro with this. I realized it as I said it. So it'll count those for you, tell you how often you say it. It'll count or it'll measure your pace. So if you're talking too fast or if you're talking too slow, it'll give you that feedback and other, there's other areas that it does. But I think something like that is extremely valuable that we could use, especially if you're not used to maybe presenting in front of a committee and you want to get a rehearsal in with your, you know, it used to be practice in front of the mirror. And now you right. can practice in front of your Zoom and it'll be recorded and you'll get feedback. I have two things. One, I actually implemented that AI in my course that I teach on the graduate level. Yep. And two, I have that also in the course that I, I'm offering next year. Yep. The Leadership EQ hybrid course where we are, it, we've implemented that AI in our course. So then that way it, it, it emulates a boardroom. It, and now that you have people in front of you and it measures your ums, your uh, your tone, and they do, they give you feedback. So sometimes the person, the AI, actually looks at his watch or he or she is falling asleep type of thing. So it's so it's not exactly like a live audience, but it is something that I think all of us should use. Is there, can you share what that tool is with us? Yes, it's Pitch Advantage. Okay. Tell them I told you. <laughs> I'm using it right now in my course. Okay, perfect. The uh, And the one that I'm talking about, I think it's Udly, Y-O-O-D-L-I. It's on a different machine than I'm on right now, so that might uh, not be right. But it would be basically, I would invite, I would send Udly the link for this Zoom call right now and then invite it in and that's how it would sit and listen. So it could do it on anything, but uh, I don't like to do that, obviously, if I'm, you know, have people on with me. But if you want to do it for practice, I think it's a great way to do it. You might send it to me. Send me the link because I'm always looking at new things. See, that's the curiosity piece. As auditors, we have to constantly look at different products and see how it's helpful in our day-to-day. Yeah. I mean, as a professor, I use it in the classroom. Because I have a, my classes are all online and I think communication is important, just like what we just talked about. So I'm teaching an IT course for accountants, but I have this presentation component in the course because I believe that's so important. I was reading an article today about auditors and the seven, eight, nine secrets of being an effective auditor, basically in 2023 and going forward. And one of the recommendations was, of course, around communication, but there was an emphasis on communicating remotely. So it sounds like something like pitch advantage, you'd lead those would be effective. Do you have any other advice on how to more effectively communicate in a remote environment? Yeah, we're visual. So again, having a great background, having proper lighting, having the mic effect working well, if you can, sometimes you can't control it because of the internet. And starting out the meeting, just like how we would have had a meeting face-to-face, -face, come up with an agenda, a time frame, and then just go through the areas that you want to cover and then end the meeting. You could also set up meetings. I do this all the time just to catch up because a lot of times we have meetings back-to-back. -back. Yep. And so I schedule meetings just to catch up with my senior management team. Just to kind of say, hey, I 15 minutes, just to get you on here. I have one or two questions about 
on it. But then we just talk about, okay, what's going on? What, what's new? That type of stuff. How was the hell? I mean, yeah. people are still getting sick nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. How's your meditation practice? Things like that. <laughs> how, how was your alone vacation? Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'm dropping that in the, so I, I guess I kind of do that. So the way Father's Day falls doesn't usually work out for us. And so what I've done in years past is gone. All right. I hate cold weather. And when I say cold, I mean, anything below 60 degrees to me is cold. Yeah. So in December, cause usually things are slowing down. There's always holiday parties people are going to. So it, it's a little easier to do it in December is when I'll go and take like two or three days and just go to Miami and hang out by myself for a couple of days. Cause it's but warm. During Father's Day? No, no, no. So instead, sorry, instead of doing anything for Father's Day, I basically wait and do it in December. Ah, okay. Got it. Got it. But you go by yourself. Yeah. Wait a minute. I'm a little confused. Father's Day is with the kid. <laughs> it's not called Kid's Day. It's called Father's Day. Okay. 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 Hey, but Mom's <laughs> Day, I, I get it because mothers always want spa time and a long time during Mother's Day. So I do give it to you. Mother's Day is you go do whatever you want to do. We'll meet you wherever you want us to meet you or not. Father's Day, exact same thing. Got it. Okay. The I get it. The other 364 days of the year are kids' day. Yeah, it is. See, this is why you need to take a vacation with your spouse because mm -hmm. it's kids' day. Yeah. Um, all right. Something else I wanted to make sure we got to that the audience <laughs> actually cares about outside of um, how I spend my Father's Days is it seems like for leaders anyway, you have to get uncomfortable. You have to get on a stage of sorts. And I, I, if public speaking, I'm assuming is still the number one fear. I don't know if that's anecdotal or not. That's just what I've always heard. Then doing, just having that fear, I think probably makes a lot of people just go, nope, not going to do that because I'm scared. Is there something we can do to overcome that fear? Is it just, you know, I think one of the things that's helped me the most is to understand what bravery actually means. And that is to do the thing that you're fearful of. And so when there is the fear, just go, all right. It's similar to what we were talking about with anger. Recognize it. You know, I'm angry. You, you, okay. You know, if there's fear, go, yep, that's probably normal. There's uh, you know, if there's a large audience you're talking in front of for the first time, you go, who wouldn't be fearful of doing this right now? And then going, that's okay. So do you have any advice for those that aren't, I would say, natural born leaders or the ones who feel... <laughs> comfortable in front of a crowd? How, how do we get over the fear? And this is why, see, you're, you're asking these questions with sweet spot. You know what? The thing is that with the Leadership MeQ, that's exactly what we're working on. We're working on coming up with a plan and working towards it. So if my staff people are fear, they fear ha doing, making public speaking or doing public speaking, we'll do it where they're doing it in front of the interns. Then they'll gradually move into perhaps an engagement that people are a bit more um, kind. So you gradually move towards that big stage. And there's so many outside things, like what I was talking about before, about pitch advantage. That is something you could use AI and practice and practice and practice so that you feel comfortable going through your speech. Another thing that you could do is join Toastmasters. Toastmasters is excellent for that because they give you an opportunity, speeches every, I forget how often they meet, but every so often they give you a pathway, 
you pick a pathway and then you move towards it and you get feedback immediately after you complete your speeches so that you build not only confidence, but also technique from experienced speakers in Toastmasters. So there's a plethora of opportunities and ways for you to improve your talking, your speaking ability, but just throwing, going out and doing a TED talk and you're afraid yep. to talk in front of, you know, uh, in a, in a toast or, or in it's a short, a small meeting may not be the best approach. Maybe doing it in a gradual way would be more effective. Yeah. And big fan of Toastmasters. The first time I had to do a two hour session in front of people is the first time I had ever done really any public speaking outside of a 30 second announcement, you know, at our graduation or something. And so I went to Toastmasters and I told them what was going on. And of course they do have these various paths and it ch it's changed significantly since I did it, but that you can follow and there's schedules and protocols and all these things. That's great and wonderful. And I was like, I just need to help with this, like this one thing. And so they said, we'll give you 15 minutes every, I think the, the meetings or sessions, whatever, were two hours each. I can't recall, maybe an hour, hour and a half. Like, well, it's your thing is two hours. We'll give you 15 minutes a week that we do it. You do the first 15 minutes, the second week, do the second 15 minutes. And they, and of course it was an analytics topic and they had no clue about analytics. And so if nothing else, the feedback that I got from them, then they'd be like, I have no idea what you're talking about. So there's a good chance the rest of your audience won't know what you're talking about either. But I, to get that feedback was was really important and valuable. And we were talking about the ums earlier. No. There is a person in Toastmasters whose job, we call them the um counter. I don't know if that's what everybody else does, but you have the roster and you every time somebody says um or like whatever their crutch word is, you would put an, a tally by it. And at the end, you would read out and it'd always be like, Trent, you had like 25 likes and 77 ums. And so you <laughs> become aware of that and you try to catch it as you can tell i have not done a great job of that but but you know what it is awareness at the end of the day it's awareness and you're working towards it you can't be a machine and completely just wipe that behavior off of from from your brain so that's what's giving yourself grace empathy allowance you know just really figure out okay i i say so a lot let me just work on it or um, maybe this this talk I will I will make sure that I only do three ums. Yeah. Or something like that. Just being just aware of it. Yeah, this is awareness. Okay, you've talked about leadership EQ, the course. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Is that open to the public? How does that work? Yes. So I am so excited about this course because we I have an international team working on this. It is a hybrid course. We're going to go through exercises for you to work on your mindset. Your emotional intelligence will give you a, an assessment. And we have counselors who are certified, not me. I'm not going to do all of it. I have counselors who are certified in providing EQ uh, coaching so they could help you towards a specific goal. And then we have leadership traits that are learnable. So public speaking, some of them, vision, being, being, um, having integrity, those type of things that are so important to become that professional you want to become. So it's 16 weeks. I'm, I'm having three cohorts. And at the end of every year, we're going to a foreign country. 
the first country we're going to is Morocco. And we're going to have an EQ course there so you can meet professionals in Morocco. And then every year we go to a different country so that you could go through this course one time a year and have a trip and meet other professionals in your space. That sounds brilliant. At the end of the day, I think everyone needs to continue to learn. Learning is key. When you stop learning, you become irrelevant. So learning and personally grow, professionally grow, just do something that's completely out of your band, what you're accustomed to. If you're not a dancer, go learn salsa dancing. Yeah. If you are a person who likes pets, I don't know. I'm just joking. You cut that one out. <laughs> but the point is that really learn something that you would never typically would think you would enjoy. So if you're not a good painter, go paint. I actually, what I did was I became a general contractor. Yeah. I took classes because I had things that were broken in my house and they come to me and I'm clueless of what they're talking about. So for me to be empowered and for me to be able to understand their language, I took classes to carpentry, electric, uh, electric basic electric, um, plumbing. So I learned that and I actually took the, the GC test and passed it. I was like, oh, okay, I kind of learned something from this. But I didn't take it for the test. I took it for the knowledge. So then that way, I now I appreciate my house and the work that people do for me when I call them in because I still call people in. I don't do it myself. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what I mean, just constantly learning and expanding your horizons with knowledge that may not necessarily be directly for your job, but it is helping you open up your horizons, opening up your mind and giving you that growth mindset that's so important in business. Hey everyone, thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Audit Podcast. Whatever platform you're listening on right now, I'm sure there's a subscribe button somewhere, so please hit the subscribe button there. If you're listening through iTunes or Spotify, feel free to go give us that five-star rating. It only took me about 16 seconds to give myself a five-star review, and it really helps to get future guests to come on the show, so we'd really appreciate that. Lastly, be sure to check out the show notes and follow us on all our social media channels on Instagram, on LinkedIn, and on TikTok. Also, if interested, please sign up for our weekly newsletter from the Audit Podcast. Thank you all. Have a great one.